up, everybody? It's Kyle Colesman, and you're listening to the Against All Average Podcast, episode number three. Where business owners and entrepreneurs come to learn the skills and mindset to lead exceptional lives. Today, I'm joined by the one and only Jake. I live in Bay City, and I don't smell cow poop spurly. What's up, Jake? What's up? What's up, baby? That's me. All right. Yeah, you might not know that joke, but Bay City's right next to Tillamook, Tillamook Cheese Factory. And when you drive by those cows, they are producing. Definitely, especially on a nice warm summer day, right, Jake? Dude, that nitrogen content is high. Oh my God, they're they're fed well in Tillamook for sure. Uh, this yeah. week's episode, and I say this week, sometimes we're going to go a couple, uh, we might go a couple episodes a week, but you'll at least get a episode of the Against All Average podcast each and every week. Episode three is what we call a quick hitter. It's anywhere between 10 and 30 minutes, and we'll go over one or two topics and give you something to take away. So we have two different styles. We have the quick hitter style, and we also have the interview style. Our interviews with different entrepreneurs and business owners will go a little bit longer. Um, Before we get started, just like to make sure that uh, we let our sponsor feel the love. We always appreciate our sponsors and their help to keep the Against All Average podcast alive and well. So when you need all things digital looking their best, call our friends at Fame Pro Services. That's F-A-E-M Pro Services. Our friends will give you the above all average treatment with an awesome new website, custom graphics, social media management, and a full line of printing services. Fame, the trusted partner of the above all average podcast. Yo, Jake. Yo, yo. Hey, you want to hear a dad joke? (laughs) It's that time of the podcast already? I, I don't know. I, I'm a dad. I'm tired. Uh, kid, the, the kids have been running in the street all day. I've been playing recess aid. I've been playing referee. So I'm just going to throw it out there early. Maybe I'll get to bed a little bit early tonight. But what do you call cheese that isn't yours, man? Cheese. Cheddar? Cheddar? I mean, no. This, I don't this, know. Is, this is really tough to figure out, and you've probably never heard it. Nacho oh. cheese. <laughs> Oh my god, that is so Nacho funny! Cheese. Man, I'd always throw the I'd always throw the dad jokes out in class, and everybody just be rolling their eyes, just like Tolzman. That's not funny. Like you have <laughs> got to get better jokes, and uh, I do it just in spite of it. So uh, uh, you got to love the dad jokes, bring them in uh, every them. once in a while. Uh, we're gonna start talking a little bit about Disney, and uh, kind of we. Kind of what they're doing, um, how I feel about their stock price, and uh, go from there. So uh, today, Disney rakes in billions from merchandise, movies, theme parks around the world, TV shows, books. uh, The list goes on and on, and we'll get to that later. But Walt Disney himself had a bit of a rough start. He was fired by a newspaper editor because he lacked imagination and had no good good ideas. After that, Disney started a number of businesses that didn't last too long and ended with bankruptcy and failure. However, he kept plugging along and eventually found a recipe for success. All right. What's the what's the craziness? Let's just talk about things that Disney owned. So outside looking in, 
How would you think that Disney is doing right now in this COVID epidemic, Jake? I mean, I think a lot of people who see Disney at the surface look at Disney from their theme parks and their entertainment, their in-person entertainment side, uh, which if you look at it from that perspective, they're doing pretty bad, you know, especially right now, all their parks are shut down. Um, but me, me being somebody who understands the facets of Disney, they have so much more in their theme parks. They have the movies. They have you know now the Disney Plus side of it. Um, you know they have their apparel, their plush toys, all that. Um, I've you know just somebody following their stock price. I've been pleasantly surprised at it kind of kind of holding in there, not being spectacular, but it's looking pretty good, Cal. Yeah, I think uh, six. I think it was about six months ago. I looked at this earlier today, and their stock price is about 150 bucks a share about six months ago. And, you know, it's going up and down, um, lower than 150. And I think 150 was the high. And today it kind of closed somewhere around 118. Um, and that's an interesting stock for me as far as things opening back up. I think it is of concern that we've got Disneyland and Disney World not open now and they're going to have to abide by some very specific measures um, in order to slow down the spread um, of COVID-19. So um, it, it's definitely interesting. What I, what I just did is I looked up Disney and here's just, I'm going to go on for about, cut me off if I'm going too long, but I'm just going to talk about what does Disney actually own? What do they operate? What businesses are they in? So in the motion pictures business, they are in, they have Walt Disney Pictures, they have Touchstone Pictures, they have Disney Nature, Hollywood Pictures, Lucasfilm LTD. For animation, they own Walt Disney Animation Studios and Pixar. In the music group, Walt Disney Records, Hollywood Records, Lyric Street Records, Disney Music Publishing. For theater, Disney Theatrical Productions, Disney Live Family Entertainment, Music Theater, um, Disney Studio Services, Walt Disney Studios, Golden Oak Ranch, Prospect Studios, KABC7 Studio B. For media networks that they own, Disney slash ABC Television, group walt disney tv disney abc domestic television disney abc international television oh my goodness abc news uh, maker studio blip.tv polaris maker.tv um it goes on and on and on a ton of different uh television stations and news stations in Chicago, Chicago, Fresno, Houston, LA, etc. Disney Channel, Disney Cinemagic, Disney Junior, Disney XD, ESPN and ESPN HD. I mean, it goes on and on and on. I I could list off another 50 different companies that they have. That's not even the parks and resorts that they own. That's not the international resorts that they own. I mean, this page just keeps going. Vacation clubs, Marvel Entertainment. Um, it just goes to show the, the depth that Disney has as a company. And so when I'm looking at investments and, and please do not take my uh, investment advice to heart. I'm not a financial advisor. All of that, this information will be taken at your own risk. But to me, you know, when I look at a company, that's not a company, right? That that's, 
that is multiple, multiple companies, highly diversified, and that kind of helps the the safety of your investment uh, a little bit. So uh, that's just a little bit on the Disney side of things. Jake, you have anything to add on that? I just think it's super interesting. You know, a lot of people think of Disney as kind of what I said before as a singular, you know, amusement parks because they think of Disneyland, but you could make a very strong argument that Disney is kind of like a Unilever or Procter and Gamble and that Disney is a holding company and they are extremely diversified down below. Um, and that I think their stock price is really proving it to the people that they're so much more than, than an amusement park. Um, I think if they were solely an amusement park, their stock price would have no chance and chance in holding strong where it's at right now. And I think that goes to also show the power of diversification and really a business lesson for many people right now and to not have all your chickens or not have all your eggs in one basket. Um, right. And even if it's even if it's slight diversification in the market, um, I think I think how, how Disney is holding strong is is, is a great uh, lesson, I guess. Yeah, we're learning real quick with what we do. Don't just have all of your company's assets and doing events or something where large groups of people have to be. I mean, that I definitely never thought of that. You know, I, I didn't have that a pandemic would happen in the back of my head when I started lacrosse tournaments. And I don't think you had it in the back of your head when you started uh, your software for fairs and, and other events. Definitely something that I don't think anybody writes in their business plan. And that's something you can't forecast for. But um, I, I think that's I think that's part of it. Right. You, you got to be able to shift, adapt and make the best win. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so that, that was a little bit about Disney and kind of how we're looking at businesses. And Jake and I are constantly learning about what other companies have done. Disney's been around, I think, for 100 years, something like that, and has gone through the ups and downs um, of the economy. And so it's always good to take a look at those companies that have been successful so that when you're starting your company, you don't put all of your eggs in one basket. So lesson number one. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. However, I would say you could spread things out way, way too thin, and then you start losing focus. So make sure that you do that in steps. Figure out one part of your business first, and then another diversification, another diversification, etc. So that would be lesson number one of the quick hitter. Uh, next up, we're going to have Jake talk a little bit and take it away about what's the mindset you need as an owner. And he's going to go into a story where he screwed up. Like looking back, he, he just definitely did not have the right mindset as an owner. So uh, let's uh, let's take it away, Jake, and talk a little bit about your early years in Sausage King and, and what you've learned about owner's mindset and leader's mindset. Yeah, yeah, and it's really something that um, I didn't learn until fairly fairly recently in my business owner career. Um, my first business, first real business to the uh, <laughs> state of Oregon was Sausage King, and um, I started it when I was 15. I was in high school. I was super young. You know, I had mostly a bunch of buddies working for me, some outside help, but other than that, um, it, was, it was a big group of people all my age. And I didn't understand the theory behind business owner mindset. I didn't understand what a good leader meant. I knew that 
I needed X done and I should be able to say Y and they should be able to complete whatever X was. And I would get so frustrated because they weren't completing the tasks. You know, they were sitting on their phones. They weren't getting the tasks done like I wanted them to be done. I just couldn't understand it. You know, I'd blame them. I would blame the situation, but I never blamed myself. And I never looked at myself and what I was doing. And, you know, I would say, hey, do this. And they'd say, well, like, why you're not doing that? And I'd pull the, well, because I'm the one paying you. Like, I own this joint. You need to do this aspect. Right. And I don't only think that it's toxic to your work environment and to building the brand, but it's also super ineffective. You know, who... Who wants to who wants to work like that? Um, and it's something I had no idea of. And where do you think you learned that? Like you go you go in and and you own this business now, and things aren't going out, and you're just like, no, I told you to do that. Like where where do we learn this author, authority? No, that's not the word. Authoritative or authoritarian type of uh, business Dict- leadership. Dictatorship. Almost, yeah, almost like a dictatorship. <laughs> like you definitely were. Like I could I could tell based on your laugh right now that you were just yelling at people you will do it now <laughs> and i mean we'll always be honest on this podcast it's 100 percent how it went down you know I, i'll call up one of my former employees right now that i'm so great friends with and i'll be like yeah jake back then whoo you stay out of his way but i mean that's a great question where do, where do we get that mindset from because i know i'm not, not the only one and i think many business owners their first business that's how they go about it because they don't know any better and when i think about it I think it kind of comes down to parenting because when you're a kid, your parents are like, do this. Like, why? Like, cause I'm the parent and you're the kid. It's like, oh, you got me beat. And that's kind of what we know of, well, I'm the one in charge. You just do what I tell you to do, which works fairly well. If you're a parent, I mean, you could probably attest to that a little more than I can, but um, I think that's where I picked it up from. And it always works for my parents. So I figured, hey, how come it can't work for me? And that's, I think, why I got frustrated is because it wasn't working for me. How quick were you to start changing? Uh, I know I can be stubborn. Uh, I know you probably can be stubborn as well. How long did it take you to start thinking in a way that an owner should and starting to develop relationships and start to develop skills in your employees? Because you knew you only had a select few employees to pick from. It was mostly kind of high school friends that were, um, that you were able to hire, you knew their character, et cetera. Like, tell me a little bit about how did it change from you do this now because I said so, or, or, Hey, we need to do it like this because of this, this, and this. Yeah. I would say it took me a solid three years to figure that out. Um, And I could probably make an even stronger case that I had to sell the business off and start a new business before I actually really understood what I needed to do. Because selling that business allowed me to really reflect on every facet of how I ran the business. Now, you know, going on a couple years now here with Sam, um, 
it's it's just given me the the tools and the power. I don't know if power is the right word, but to really look back and say, here's where I went wrong. We can do it this way now. And it is paying off. Um, My employees respond a lot quicker. Um, And I'm really, really, really big into business owner mindset of I work for my employees. They don't work for me, you know. Whenever they're not getting a task done to either the standard or on time, the conversation is always approached as, what can I do for you to help get this task done on time? Or what am I not doing that I should be doing so that you can get this done? And it comes out at the employee like, wow, this guy wants to help me get this done. He's not just telling me to get it done. He's actually willing to put in his sweat equity. Most of the time, they're not going to say, oh, yeah, I need you to do X, Y, and Z. They're just going to understand, wow, one, I know I need to get the task done now. And two, he's not afraid to get his skin in the game. So it makes it more real for them. It's just been an absolute world difference to, to not have the mindset of everybody works for you, but have the mindset of you work for a whole bunch of bosses. And I think it, it comes across as a couple different ways. One, I think it takes a big ego trip out of everything you do, knowing that you're, you ain't anything. <laughs> and, right. and two, to the employee, it's, it's a game changer. It, it makes them feel so much more empowered now. Right. I think, I think I hear your stories and, and I look, I'm, I am currently, and I said this lap last, last episode, I can't talk this evening. Sorry. Um, but I, I'm a high school teacher as well. If I go into my class of 15, 16, 17, 18 year olds, and I say, you do this now because I told you so. Uh, the whole place would catch on fire. Like it would not be good. And so you have to figure out how to build rapport with, in my case, the students in my class or in Jake's case, the employees that he has. Okay. And once you start building that rapport and you know them, it's not like you just know them by name. But uh, our district's always about name, face, and need, I believe is what it said, uh, says. I don't know the exact words, but it's like, hey, it's not good enough just to know your employee's name. It's not just good enough to know that they like to golf. They, You really need to spend time building those employees up and being a leader to them and a teacher to them. And so that's, that's the second lesson that we want you to take away with. When you start a business and you think you're some bad mama jamma CEO, you're going to tell everybody what to do and do it now. Your business will end just as fast as it started. And um, I, I, we, I can't preach that enough. Uh, I now also own a company called Awestruck Lacrosse for the last eight years. And I have coaches that I hire to coach some of my teams and camps and those types of things. And if I just say, hey, coach like this, if you don't do that, I'm going to fire you. They would just leave. They want to be in that, that good, positive environment. They want to grow. They want to be great. Um, and, And there's just so few people that don't want to be great. 
There's a lot of things that get in the way of people's lives. There's a lot of excuses that come into play with them and their mindset. But a lot of it is just because they lack that self-confidence. They've probably been yelled at and um, demeaned in their work over the years instead of having bosses that have built up their skills. And that's one way where you can have an extremely motivated workforce and your company can really thrive if you build that culture of we're all in this together. We are all learning. We all are on a level playing field. And so I think that second lesson is just so important that you must not take that authoritative approach. You must be always teaching your employees how you do things and and why. Make sure that they always know why they need to be their best on on the phone with customer service or whatever the small task is lead by example and always give that why always give the why and i think going back to something you said of having excuses you know i think getting rid of your own excuses like i had of oh they're not doing that because of this or you know they're not getting this task done because of this you have to cut the excuses right it's as part of this part of this drop in the ego mindset having the business owner mindset it all ties in right here is there are no excuses at the end of the day it's your your problem you need to figure it out um, there's you got to drop the excuses and find the opportunity of it and because if you're just blaming other people constantly at the end of the day you're the one still in the business the responsibility falls back on you Exactly. And, uh, you know, one of the best leadership books that I've read lately is Jocko Willink's The Dichotomy of Leadership. And basically, is that's it's awesome. It, there is a balance. You can't just let people walk all over you. However, you cannot be just screaming and yelling at people. Just imagine somebody's coming to work and you just stand outside the door and you're just chirping right away. Just like, hey, what did you what did you accomplish yesterday? It didn't seem like much. And they're coming in. You know, you're going to have such high turnover, such low motivation, and you're going to have the worst freaking business in the entire in the entire United States or world. So uh, making sure that you have that balance balance and leadership. So those are the the two big keys. Um, anything you'd like to finish off with on that topic, Jake? I think it really sums it up. You know, everybody's super jacked up, super excited when they first start their business. The ego goes, goes through the roof. I get it. Kyle, I know you get it too. Everybody gets it. But you gotta you gotta ground yourself, right? And that if there's one takeaway that anybody gets, it's one liner, put the ego aside. You aren't anything. You're working for everybody else and yeah. the business must go on. <laughs> and it's funny, you go into you go into entrepreneurship, right? And you're like, I'm going into entrepreneurship because nobody's gonna tell me what to do. Like I finally figured out nobody's going to tell me what to do. And then you realize that every single one of your clients tells you what to do. Yeah. Psych. Yeah. It's a, you, you have to answer to so many more people as an entrepreneur. Uh, there's definitely 
pros and cons of uh, running your own business, but uh, it always is something that uh, has been fun for me, at least, uh, figuring out how to make things work and making sure that uh, we're helpful in the ways in which we do run business. So um, that is our quick hitter episode number three. Another big shout out to the episode sponsor, Fame Pro Services. That's F. AEM Pro Services. And with that, we thank you very much for listening to episode three of the Against All Average podcast. We'll see you next time. Ah!